This episode of The Green Rush is sponsored by our friends over at Covis Software, the number one dispensary point of sale system in North America. There are lots of reasons why Covis Software is the number one dispensary point of sale system in North America, but maybe none so important as its rock solid reliability with a 99.9999% uptime. That's six nines. And when it comes to performing over the all important 420 holiday, Cova has zero crashes, 100% uptime and an average processing time of just 1.4 seconds each and every year. Think about your own dispensary's point of sales program and how that stacks up. And I think you can start to get a sense of why Kova software is proving to be so popular. Then add in all the other benefits that being a Kova software client brings, and it starts to feel like one of those no-brainer questions. Do you need automatic compliance? Kova has that. Offline mode? Kova has that. White glove launch service? Kova has that too. In addition to open APIs, scalability, fast and free software, support and best in class partner ecosystems. Don't delay today and don't just take my word for it. Open up kovasoftware.com and learn how Kova can make your business better. That's kovasoftware.com with Kova spelled C-O-V-A. Welcome to The Green Rush, a podcast about the intersection of cannabis, the capital markets, and culture. On a weekly basis, hosts Ann Donahoe and Nick Opich of KCSA Strategic Communications speak with the business leaders, financial experts, cultural icons, legislators, and generally interesting people moving the cannabis industry forward. This week, our hosts are chatting with Chris Drayson, the president and chief executive officer of Slang Worldwide. Slang Worldwide is a consumer packaged goods company that owns, licenses, and markets cannabis brands serving the flower, concentrates, edibles, and beverages categories. Slang has six brands in 15 different markets in 4,000 retail stores. Anna and Nick chatted with Chris about the increasing competitive cannabis marketplace, some of the companies partnerships, including with TrueLeave, Slang's U.S. expansion plan and entry into the CBD space, as well as what's coming down the pipeline that has Chris excited for 2021. As one of the leading CPG companies in the cannabis space, Chris's insights on the growth and potential of the industry are really interesting and something we are sure our listeners will enjoy. So don't sit back, lean forward. Now on to the conversation. Chris, thank you so much for coming on The Green Rush. We're really excited to chat with you today. Um, before we get into slang and, and how you guys were founded and all of that fun stuff, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you, how you came to cannabis? Yeah, sure. And thanks for the opportunity to be here today. I'm excited as well. Um, you know, it, it, it started long ago in Colorado, well before legalization. Uh, had a, like all great <laughs> cannabis stories start. <laughs> they all start in Colorado. Um, yeah, you know, really just a story of who you know. I had a good buddy of mine that I was uh, friends with up in Vail, you know, a ski town here in Colorado. And he had a dream that he wanted to go start a cannabis company long before really it was kind of a twinkle in anybody else's eye. Uh, and he did just that. And, you know, and for several years, everybody kind of, you know, said, oh, you know, you're the, you're the kind of the black sheep out of the group. 
And lo and behold, you know, the industry kind of caught up with with what his vision was. And so I had the opportunity to come and uh, join him and what subsequently became our legacy company at Slang Organa Brands. Um, and that company really has been around since 2010. So uh, been around a long time. And so that's really was kind of my on ramp into the cannabis industry. And certainly, you know, that's uh, uh, morphed into something much more slang than bought Organa brands uh, in January of 2019 and then subsequently went public. Uh, and here we are. And let's talk about, you know, the, the founding of slang, that, that integration with Organa and uh, where you guys have grown since that, that merger in 2019. You bet. So uh, Peter uh, Miller and Billy Levy, executive chair, advisor of the company, former president, um, were really the founders and kind of the genesis of slang. You know, the Keystone acquisition really what allowed it to all come together and then go public was the Organa Brands collections of assets and companies and a couple other things as well. Uh, so Peter and Billy founded the company. You know, I was on the original board as far back as Gosh, 2017, I believe, uh, of course, went on a road show and, you know, told everybody what our plan was. Uh, and then we've just been executing on that plan since then. So uh, once upon a time, it was really just kind of the Organa Brands uh, company, particularly the non-plant touching company that had all the, the brand IP, uh, pretty much everything of value that wasn't specifically touching the plant. Since then, of course, and much more recently and probably much more importantly to, to the audience here, uh, you know, we've acquired plant touching assets in Oregon with the Lunchbox Alchemy. We've acquired plant touching assets in, in our other core market of Colorado. Colorado with Peoria Partners and then Pleasant Valley Ranch and soon uh, uh, Allied Concessions Group. So we've made the jump into non-plant touching to plant touching, which of course is a big difference in our financials and really in our operations. Uh, and we're not done yet. You know, we've got other things coming along. You know, a lot of people probably saw our announcement last week that we've developed a new strategic partnership with a group called Merida Capital. So we'll be going into places, a new emerging markets like Missouri, Virginia. Uh, so now that brings us to a total of 16 different markets 14 states, Canada, and Puerto Rico. So we've certainly come a long way, even in just the, you know, the short couple of years since we've gone public. And, and you definitely just hit on a, a ton of things that we wanted to, to cover in this conversation. And we'll get to the new markets here um, in a little bit, but you brought it up. Uh, and I think this is a good time to get into it, that, that switch to becoming a plant touching company. Can you expand more on what prompted that change? Because for a lot of, we've been doing this for, for a couple of years and it seems very, you know, companies are either strict. We're not plant touching or we're plant touching. So what, what prompted the switch? Well, really it was always part of the plan, right? You know, when, when slang did contract and, and subsequently acquire Organa brands, Organa brands was a myriad of different entities, assets, several of those plant touching, some of them not. So slang entered into that agreement, buying the non-plant touching companies so it could control the brands and then having options uh, on the plant touching businesses. So as time's gone on, that's certainly always been part of the, the plan. You know, we're, we're just, you know, being able to execute on it. Now you got to remember you, a public company couldn't own a plant touching license in Colorado until the start of 2020. So, and then of course, with pandemics and all this, that, and the other, there was a bit of a slowdown just administratively, but we closed on our first plant touching asset in Colorado in, uh, September, closed on a, one in Oregon in October, closed on another one in Colorado in December. Um, and we expect our next one in Colorado to be happening really could be just any minute, any time. Um, so, but the big focus there was 
Uh, it's a big material shift, obviously, in your revenues and your profit, which is what the motivation was to get into plant touching. You know, we're we're a consumer packaged goods focused focused company. So uh, not only do we want to sell a pretty box and have a lot of people have brand affinity for what we do, but we also want to control what's going into those boxes. And we do that uh, ourselves in our core markets where we're vertically integrated up to wholesale, and that's Colorado and Oregon. And then we do that through strategic partnerships in our emerging markets, which are all the rest of them. So being plant touching has always been in our DNA. You know, we've been plant touching, you know, some of us OGs that have been around for a while since 2010. Um, so really that's nothing new. It's just now part of Slang's world and, and we couldn't be happier about it. Chris, you talk about being a consumer packaged good company, um, goods company. Can you define for the audience, what, what that exactly means to you. I think we throw around CPG a lot. Um, but, but it may not be as clearly defined as people think in this, in this industry. Yeah. I think a lot of people, you know, it's in vogue now to say, Oh, we're yeah. CPG. Oh, we're focused on brands. Uh, I can tell you this, you know, we've been doing that since 2010. So, you know, now that it's kind of become in vogue and people are starting to see what the value is in brands and what the multiples that are typically associated with brand focused companies and other industries, uh, obviously we couldn't be happier because again, we've been preaching this for over a decade, but what does that mean? So just having a brand doesn't necessarily mean you're in CPG. You know, a lot of companies may have their house brand or a house product or, Hey, I'm growing flour. It's my XYZ dispensary and my flowers in my dispensary. Well, that does not make a brand and that doesn't make, you know, a CPG focused company. So for us, CPG starts and, and always has and always will with brands. We've got a house of brands, six different brands that cover all the major categories in cannabis that are some of the best selling uh, brands, particularly in some of the most competitive markets in the country. So for us, it's creating that branded finished goods and then selling it outside of your walls. You know, if you've got a captivated market and it's only available in your dispensary, Okay, doesn't mean it's not a good product, doesn't mean it's not branded, but I would tell you that's not what CPG is about. CPG is about competing and winning with branded finished goods across the entire spectrum of, of cannabis-related channels. And that's something that we excel at, and, and I think we are the preeminent uh, cannabis-focused consumer packaged goods company in, in, in the industry. Let's expand on that. I, you mentioned that your brands have been very successful. What is it that you guys have been doing that's allowed them to stand out in, frankly, a very crowded marketplace. We're seeing new companies uh, pop up every day. We're seeing new releases of products. How are you guys able to compete against other, other brands and CPG companies? Yeah, great question. So we've withstood the, the test of time really from uh, a few different litmus tests. One is just consistency. Again, we've been doing this since 2010. You learn a few things along the way. Uh, we operate the oldest licensed uh, CO2 extraction lab that's been continuously operated in cannabis, period, to my knowledge, in the country. So if you're the first at doing it and you're still doing it, you've probably done a few things things right along the way. But I'll also tell you, we've gotten it wrong a hundred times along the way, which is what we really learned from more from our, our mistakes than our successes. But here's the things that, that allow that stickiness, that stitutiveness for us to be around. One, consistency in product. Are you putting out something, whether it's in Portland, Oregon, Portland, Maine, Denver, Colorado, uh, you know, Tallahassee, Florida, what is the consistency and quality of the product? And can a consumer have to, a, an expectation met 
when they come in and have that product is that is that met you know that's delivering on brand promises being safe balanced and consistent you know we say it a lot within our walls that the best ability is availability it's an old coaching adage but i think it holds true you know particularly in cannabis as you mentioned there's a lot of newcomers certainly there's some great products out there there's some great brands out there but one of the reasons that ours are are so well known and, and perform so well is they're just available in so many places. You know, we've got close to 2,200 points of retail distribution between non-plant touching and plant touching products. And that just gives you a, a, you know, obviously allows you to cast a wide net. So it's consistency in product, it's availability in product. And then last but not least, you know, it's it, it's a little bit of elbow grease. You know, people know the cannabis game is not for the faint of heart. You know, we've got a bunch of people that are absolute grinders that that are are smart, dedicated and focused people that I'm proud and honored to call teammates that have been around a long time. You know, if you look across our leadership team, several of these folks have been there five, six, seven years. And in the cannabis world, that's that's like that's like dog years. That's a lifetime. So being able to have that continuity, that consistency and that availability all come together around, you know, basically what we do and the purpose of why we're here. And that's ultimately that we want to build a legacy that's founded on uh, branded products, proven processes and strong partnerships. And that's, you know, that's that's what we do. You pointed out a couple of times, too, that you, you've been in the industry for a long time that since 2010. Your, your, your team members have been around for a long time. How have cannabis products evolved in that time? You know, you guys are working on the on these finished end goods. We're far beyond, you know, flour and jars and, and baked goods. So what what have you seen? Homemade baked goods. Yeah, homemade baked goods. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, um, from, you know, from your end, I, what have you seen? What what pro, what types of products have gained the most popularity? And you know, what do we what do you think we could see in the future? Yeah, you know, if I think back to the early days, holy cow, we actually have kind of a time capsule or a vault at our corporate office in Denver that has, you know, the evolution of what's happened, particularly with vape pens. We got it for all products. But, uh, man, I think back to the early days, you know, 2010. I mean, the oil was darker than this hoodie, you know, the, the, uh, the, the hardware that you were using, you know, compared to debt today was was just absolutely um terrible for lack of a better way to put it the product failed 40 percent of the time you know the refining the distillation the fractioning of terpenes all the things that you can do now with the plant uh simply just weren't known and certainly weren't widely used back then uh and the product for you know originally it was called metavape open was something called metavape way back in the day uh and frankly it was it was not very successful you know a lot of that had to do with just consumer awareness you know who the heck knew what co2 oil was over a decade ago you know to your point you you know you had some bud and some jars and you had some people that were making some homemade edibles maybe there was rick simpson oil and that was about it you know we showed up with this you know this this vape pen and when it worked it was like handing somebody fire for the first time. It was like, holy cow, you know, it's liquid weed and you can't really smell it. You can't really see it. <laughs> Excuse me. And, um, you know, it was it was really groundbreaking. And so open the reason it really caught lightning in a bottle was, you know, the science caught up. We had some folks that really understood how to slice and dice the plant into its constituent parts and then put it back together again in a better way. Uh, terpenes, cannabinoids, all these kinds of things. Uh, the hardware caught up. You know, you didn't have to use excipients anymore. And uh, the technology basically that was applied from other industries to improve the quality of the product 
Uh, all those things came together and open really in 2012 was the first brand to really kind of take the show on the road and start licensing across the country and then across the continent. Uh, and what that allowed for was a couple of things. One, it mass scaled the vape pen and really kind of brought, you know, that's why it's called the original open, the original cannabis pen. And that's really true because it was the first people and the first brand uh, to scale, um, particularly in that format. And then secondly, uh, was people just understanding what these other things were. So just having more access to the plant more access to the various form factors that it comes into. But man, those early days, we look back at it all the time where we're like, hey, you want to try this? It's like, <laughs> Do <laughs> I? <laughs> <laughs> Probably yeah, not, no. you know, and that's, look, you know, we didn't know at the time what we didn't know. We did everything we could to keep it safe and consistent. But, you know, what we're doing today is such a far cry from what we were doing over a decade ago. I mean, look, our company's filled with chemists and engineers and people that are far smarter than I. I am uh, that are that are really just able to do some incredible things with both technology and with the plant uh, and the proofs in the pudding. I think what we make today is just absolutely first class. But man, if you compare, you know, some of our products today from some of the products of yesteryear, what a what a long way we've come, not only as a company, but as an industry. Yeah. Do you th so? you know, this is such a weird industry in that, you know, there's no interstate commerce. So, you know, what you're doing in, in, you know, Washington or Oregon, or, you know, and what you're doing in Colorado, you know, are, you're, you're trying to make it as consistent as possible. Does the technology advancements, you know, it all has to begin with a good plant, right? And, and a good product to start with. But I have to imagine that the technology um, available now allows for more consistency across state borders. So if I know, you know, I'm buying something in Denver, is it the same as what I'm buying in Florida or what I'm buying in, in, in Oregon? Is it, does that help or is it still so plant focused? It's a little bit of both. You know, I'll tell you that we regularly receive inbound feedback on our social channels, customer service, et cetera, that said, yeah, you know, I was out in Vegas for a bachelorette party or I was skiing on a boys trip in Aspen or I was, you know, I was on the beach on the West Coast. And it's like, hey, I saw the gummies. I saw your vape pen, this, that, and the other. Uh, and I picked it up because I knew what to expect. So, you know, as I mentioned earlier, uh, everything is built around branded products. So if you take a, a triangle, the top of that triangle is to create these branded finished goods. And then obviously, you know, be able to market those and sell those to specific demographic groups. But what underpins the other two, you know, points of that triangle are proven process, which goes a long way as far as consistency and repeatability in product. You know, our product team's holy grail. They literally want you to feel the exact same way in any of those locations I just mentioned. Well, that's really tough when you've got a naturally variable plant that, you know, the soil type here in Colorado is not what it is in Southern Oregon. The light's not the same, this, that, and the other. There's all the nutrient regimens used in different places. So there are just variability in the plants anyway, but SOP, those proven processes are what help us to really overcome a lot of that fluctuation. The other point of the triangle is, is, is strong partnerships. You know, I can't say enough, and it's something I say on pretty much every interview I do. We work with the best of the best of the best. When we're not doing it ourselves, 
we don't partner up with chumps. So when you look at the canopies, at the Trulies, at the Gages, all these different folks, more recently Merida, you know, they're people that are doing big things where they exist and they're people that run really good tight operational businesses. And that's why we work with them. You know, that's why we're peas and carrots with those folks because generally speaking, we're value adds to each other. So when you have that strong partnership, you have those proven processes and those two things are working in tandem to each other, you can create a best in class branded finished goods. And that's kind of the magic of what we do through our, through our slang network. I love that you, uh, you brought up a true leave in canopy. Cause that was where our next question was going to go. So uh, you guys just had a recent announcement on a, a new resin product available in Florida with, uh, with true leave. Can you expand on that? And, uh, you know, what that market means for you guys? You bet. So it's uh, it's open cured resin. You know, it's something we've done a long time. It was our first uh, full, true uh, uh, cannabis-derived terpene product. It's been around many years. I think it's won six or seven different awards really across the country. So fabulous, fabulous product, very true to the flower. We're basically extracting terpenes in a subcritical state. Subcritical just means lower heat, higher pressure, uh, so you're not volatilizing off some. Is it not to get too sciencey on the weed, you know, weed, weed nerd over <laughs> here, guilty. Uh, but the point is we're able to take out those really volatile terpenes that really give the plant character and then we're able to process the rest of the material to have a highly potent extract but then to be able to reintroduce those cannabis derived terpenes back into that extract so and it's and we call it cured resin because it's made with cured material but fabulous 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 product it's you know it's sold you know million maybe tens of millions of units at this point but uh tons and tons and tons and, you know, doing anything with True Leave, you know, if there's one thing True Leave and KR do, it's go big. <laughs> they don't do anything small. You know, small for them is huge for somebody else. So uh, it's only been in their stores. They're almost 75 stores now in Florida. So, I mean, they're the absolute you know, 800 pound gorilla in the room down there. And for good reason, you know, they keep popping up stores, they have best in class products, and they have best in class partnerships with folks like us. So uh, we've gotten really, really strong, uh, whether it's on social, whether it's just knowing what the financial metrics are of the sell through rates, but strong velocities, widely distributed, and, and clearly Floridians love it. And, uh, and rightfully so, it's a great product. I want to talk about the the last year in cannabis. I think that um, it has been um, manic, if, if to <laughs> use that word. Um, you know, it's been really tough because of COVID, um, you know, but it's also proven, you know, uh, cannabis is a, uh, was considered a, um, uh, what's, what's the word, Nick? Essential service. Yes, an essential service. Um, you know, we see the stock market doing some really interesting things right now in cannabis. Maybe it's right sizing. We're not really sure. Can you? Well, we can't be sure yet. You know, we'll we'll be able to tell in a couple months what this actually was in the context of a year. But what was the most challenging thing from from 2020 that you guys overcame? Yeah, you know, you're you're dead right. The only thing that's certain is change. Uh, you know, in taxes, which hopefully we get some relief on that with safe banking soon. But, um, you know, change is inevitable. Good, bad, ugly. You can guarantee that it's not going to be the same today. And and look, that's a little bit of the allure of cannabis, especially for folks that were early entrepreneurs or pioneers. You know, we, as I said earlier, it's not for the faint of heart. You know, this isn't uh, this uh, this this game, this industry. Uh, 
only the strong survive to kind of take a adage from all my football stuff here, as you can see, <laughs> but it's true. OTSS, you better be able to adapt. You better be able to evolve. You better be able to take a punch. And there's a lot of different ways to do that. <clears throat> you asked specifically, what was the biggest challenge we had last year? I think everybody will tell you the pandemic, not to make light of it. Obviously it's been a mess and it's been a, you know, it's been a, a thorn in the side of the entire world, but I would say over and above that, you know, maybe if you look a little, deeper under the surface, you had things that happened last year that were anomalies. Like, let's just take some of the weather patterns. If you'll recall last summer, you know, a huge portion of the Oregon population was, was on evacuation orders because of just terrible, terrible wildfires that were out there. You know, one of the groves we work with out there, I mean, literally the fires were at their fence. So, you know, you've got people that are worried about their their lives, not their livelihood, and rightfully so. You know, we can grow more cannabis. We can't, you know, we can't obviously replace people. So, and then you look at Colorado, our other core market. We had snow three days after Labor Day. Super strange. And it was in one of the bigger agricultural regions, one of the lower altitude regions. I got, you know, pictures from some of my farmer friends down there that had six, seven, eight, sometimes nine inches of snow on their plants when, you know, they're not even thinking about harvesting those things for at least another month. So you're pretty far into the flowering cycle at that point. And that's just really tough on a plant to recover from. So you had pandemics, you had weather events. And then on top of all of that, which was a good problem, but a problem nonetheless, with so many people spending time in their homes, cannabis consumption went through the roof. And you kind of saw that across the board. So you had these supply chain interruptions, a demand that seemingly was just insatiable. I just saw an article that came out, Colorado, our, you know, our home market here, did 2.2 billion billion with a B last year. So just incredible organic growth, presumably because we're obviously all spending more time away from the office, but you mix that all up and you better be able to roll with the punches. You better have some pretty good relationships. You better have a way that you can keep your nose above water. And unfortunately, we found that a lot of these folks were, you know, got exposed and either went out of business or got consolidated or, or some of these other things. We're really fortunate in that we're widely distributed. You know, we've got stuff again, like I said, in, in now 16 markets that'll be coming on. So we're able to kind of, you know, ebb and flow with what's happening in a particular location. Uh, and further to that, we have segmentation in product. A great example of this, when people started losing their jobs in, in the pandemic, everybody was really concerned, you know, what's my financial situation look like? Well, generally speaking, they didn't stop consuming cannabis, but maybe they went into the dispensary a little less frequently because they were concerned about safety. Well, when they did go in, they were buying larger form factors. So maybe a one gram cartridge instead of a half gram cartridge. And, you know, hey, I'm a little more concerned about my discretionary income. So maybe I'm buying a value-based product rather than an ultra premium product. The beauty of Slang's business model is we have all of the above. So we're able to shift with changing tides of consumer preference. Um, and really rocketed out of the pandemic. I shouldn't say out of the pandemic, but out of the, the dark days, which were in Colorado, kind of April, end of March, April, early May last year. And it's been an absolute freight train ever since. So uh, we're happy to be driving that train. Do you think those uh, consumer trends and sales trends will continue on in 2021? Or, you know, with a vaccine rollout, do you think there could be maybe some scaling back when it comes to cannabis consumption? tough 
to say, like I said, I mean, you know, the only thing I've, I've figured out in this industry over all the years I've been in, it's going to be different. You can bet on something that's going to be different. My hope is that we can all start going back to normal. I mean, who doesn't want to go to a concert or a sporting event or, you know, maybe travel to see your family that you haven't seen in a long time. Those are all opportunities to consume and enjoy cannabis as well. So I think if anything, you know, and maybe this is wishful thinking, but this is what I believe that we've all now depended on cannabis and and used cannabis in a way to supplement our daily lives. Uh, It's evidenced by how much more consumption there is. So I'm sure there's, some lingering effect of that. You know, I see it all the time. I'm out here in suburban Denver. Uh, I can't tell you how many, um, you know, uh, little neighborhood get togethers or barbecues or being up at the mountain with some other family skiing. So common to see the, you know, the soccer mom now show up with a pack of gummies or, you know, somebody with the pre-roll where maybe you used to have a bottle of Pinot and some scotch and and now all of a sudden you've got a you know a pre-roll and you know maybe some concentrate. So I don't think that's going back. And a lot of people, and we hear this all the time, hey, I don't it doesn't have any calories. I don't feel bad the next day. Well, gosh, I mean, if you're seeking a head change, man, cannabis is great for that. And I would tell you is a lot healthier for you than you know some of the alternatives. I guess just keeping on, you know, expectations or, or predictions for, for 2021, um, what, what states are you, are you looking at to legalize next this year? And, and, you know, how does this affect your, your growth strategy? Yeah, we're always keeping an eye on that, you know, and there's always a time between when we announce a state and when products go live, that can be as short as three months. Sometimes that's over a year. It really depends on where a particular state's at in its trajectory. I'll tell you, we're already opening up and going live in California, Massachusetts, Michigan. Those are already well underway and those will happen kind of bam, bam, bam throughout the first half of the year and just into uh, Q3 that those will all be done. Obviously, we just discussed that with Merida, we're going to be doing Missouri and then Virginia. You know, you ask which states are going to legalize next. Virginia is is seemingly on a, a fast path to that. So really excited for what's going to happen there. There's eight or nine million people in Virginia. More importantly, it's a region of the country where there's no real access, at least uh, from an adult use perspective, nearby. So we'll see what happens. I mean, Michigan's a pretty far cry from Virginia, Mass, the same thing. So you're starting to now start to flirt with getting into the South, which I think is going to set off a whole chain reaction of other states around it. You know, of course, everybody's excited to see what happens with New York, with the huge population there. Uh, Gosh, you know, I'm from Texas. I've even got some political friends down there saying, hey, it's going to be a Hail Mary I'm not holding my breath, but, you know, uh, I was going to say Texas is never on the like top three to five, you know, states that people talk about. Yeah, but it's, you know, like I said, it's the second largest population state. And it's it is, you know, the problem you have in Texas is there's no voter introduced ballot initiatives. So it's got to be done legislatively. Uh, But times are changing down there. I think they may not be as far off as some people think, but certainly Virginia and New York and obviously our focus on Virginia with our new relationship with Merida uh, is huge. Um, And then, of course, you've got like the South Dakotas that passed that last year, but it's on again, it's off again. The the governor (laughs) obviously says, hey, people of South Dakota, you don't know what's best for you. So we'll see what happens there over time. And then there's a handful of other states as well. But, you know, we don't get 
so in the weeds about what state's changing from a policy perspective because you know politicians don't do anything fast so even if they say go you know there's still quite a bit of time to figure out what does that really mean what are the regulations what's it going to look like and so we want to look at things that are a actionable but also have an eye on what's coming down the pipe yeah i think it's real rare to see you know like an arizona or illinois type action right. versus like what's going on in massachusetts or, or new york that that slow build you bet you guys uh you know you mentioned your partnership with merida and you just closed um uh, private placement for 10 million bucks. Um, you know, in terms of how you're using it for your growth, you know, you talk about this, like, you know, we're keeping an eye on states, but it's really kind of hard to plan because politics is slow. Um, how are you going to be allocating those funds? Yeah, a few things, a few I can talk about and a few I can't on the ones that I can't, let's just say, I got a a couple (laughs) of tricks up my sleeve that, uh, I think people will like. On the things that we can, we're developing a flower initiative right now. So we've we've had a strategic partnership with Cookies. That's been great. It's helped us develop that muscle and understand what that channel looks like. We do that in Oregon and Colorado with great success. Uh, so now that we've mastered that skill and we know how to move that product through the market, it's time, obviously, Slang being a CPG-focused company, uh, for us to go into our own uh, uh, you know, distribute our own flower products. Not that we still won't be working with these other people, but flower, for example, is something we will look to get into by the end of the year. It's generally speaking about 50%, sometimes more uh, of markets and being one of the largest, if not the largest CPG company, it's a little conspicuous that you're not in the largest category. So we're going to rectify that. So that's one thing we'll be going into. And, you know, the other thing is, as we look for, Uh, different opportunities, whether that's converting a currently emerging market into a core market. And again, you know, potentially you're going in and looking at acquiring somebody uh, to make them a core market, which again means we get the wholesale revenue, not just the the partnership or licensing revenue. So we're analyzing those opportunities. Uh, We're certainly analyzing what flower is going to look like. It'll be going that way too. And then just you have your normal working stuff as we get bigger and bigger and service more and more markets that takes more and more staff to do that effectively. Um, so it's a little mix of things, but uh, like I said, you know, more to come soon. But uh, we are big believers in throwing punches and bunches, and and we're right in the middle of the round. So uh, stay tuned. I love it. I love it. And I'm going to put you on the spot here now because you brought up the flower. You brought up you know looking at acquisitions and and growing staff. And so you can't re- respond with those as your answer for this. <laughs> but what has you? most excited for 2021 what is it that you know you really think you know could could be in another step for the company that you you think would really help grow the business yeah i'll give you i'll give you a couple and ones within our control which obviously is what we focus on um cbd for us we closed on this lunchbox alchemy deal they're very much now part of our family i feel like bend oregon's become my home away from home which there's Love a lot ben. oh man such a great place Beautiful. always plug bend it's a it's an awesome place just <laughs> period. Uh, But they've got a really thriving, and I keep saying they, we've got a really thriving CBD business there. We're in 600 plus stores, about 40 states. Um, So CBD for us is going to be something that we absolutely put a lot of our time and attention and frankly capital into to grow. Uh, Margins are great. We just launched this past week our CBD e-commerce site. So lunchboxalchemycbd.com. 
is 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 huge. That ability to develop the muscle to go direct to consumer, which is something new for us because obviously we're not in retail. Uh, CBD in general is a big opportunity for us. So those are probably the two biggest things that I haven't mentioned as far as other markets and initiatives, et cetera, that that's a big plank of our strategy for this year. And then the, the thing that everybody's looking at and that I'm sure is driving a lot of the, you know, the recent movement in capital markets, what are our friends in Washington going to do? You know, <laughs> let's hope they do something right. You know, they've awesome. got a, there's an opportunity, whether it's safe or more rescheduled. I mean, there's so many different handicaps that could be removed from particularly the American cannabis operators, you know, and I tell people this a lot, you know, look, we just delivered our first adjusted EBITDA positive quarter, you know, the last quarter we we announced in Q3. And that's literally, and anybody, look, truly is the most profitable cannabis company on the planet. And that's against all odds, whether that's 280E, whether that's no interstate commerce, whether it's not the ability to market that you would in a normal way, whether it's not access to mainstream banking. You know, when you look at all the handicaps that are placed on the cannabis industry, just imagine what it could be when some of these things are removed. Um, you know, that's an ex- it's an exciting time to be in this industry. It's certainly an exciting time for our company. If you had to write a headline for tomorrow's front page of the New York Times or the Denver Post or the Wall Street Journal, what would it, about cannabis? What would it be? Finally, cannabis <laughs> is legal. You know, it's it's something along those lines. You know, I, it's interesting, right? I talked to a lot of my colleagues and there's, oh, we don't really want it to be legal or, oh, the mainstream companies are going to come in and, you know, the big bad mainstreams. I'm not even sure what that means. Is that alcohol, tobacco? Is that pharma? Is that ag? I don't, you know, whatever. You know, but the point is, for the plan itself, the more access, acceptance, and approval you have for it, uh, the better it's going to be. You know, what's going to happen is going to happen in business. It happens in every business. You know, look at prohibition way back when to what it is now. Like I said, the only thing that's certain is change. But for me, it's finding some positive catalyst from a regulation standpoint. So we're not constantly in this weird purgatory of, okay, it's cool where I sit as long as I'm talking to somebody from Colorado but I'm still federally illegal over here. And it's such a wild deal. I mean, for people that work in this industry, whether it's your mortgage, whether it's your banking, whether like there's just all these little weird idiosyncrasies that just shouldn't be their nonsense. Like, you know, uh, particularly in Colorado, like, man, it was the first to go adult use. It's been around now for seven years. It's largely kind of a non-issue. It's not even really talked about anymore. And that's because that stigma has declined so much because it's just become integrated into part of society here and obviously in many other states as well uh, that have subsequently done it. So we're all kind of on the same timeline, but in different spots. And it would be great to have something from, from DC that said, Hey, we see you and we got you and we're going to, we're going to figure out how to do this the right way. So, you know, I know that's a polarizing topic to talk about when you get into to politics, but hopefully we can all, I mean, look, national average of, of legalization is somewhere around 70%, which by mm-hmm. the way is heck of a lot more than either Trump or Biden got in the last, you know, uh, election. So it seems like that, you know, this is one of the few issues that Americans are pretty, pretty aligned on. And then you look at medical and it's like 94, 90, Mm -hmm. something crazy, you know, I mean, more than ice cream. 
So, um, I, you know, the, the fact that we're still talking about it and fighting it, and that you still have some corners of the country where, you know, this isn't accepted, man, it won't be long before that's, that's ancient history. So hopefully there's something out of Washington, D.C. that's a catalyst to, uh, frankly, get our, you know, get this thing in gear. Amen to that. Amen. Chris Drayson, thank you so much. You've been, I love the positive energy. I love the vibe. Um, slang you. worldwide. You guys are, you guys are awesome. Um, check them out at uh, slangww.com. They are also on the CSC trading under SLNG. Also check out lunchboxalchemycbd.com. Uh, what, where else, Chris? Instagram Man, at slang me, worldwide. I'll, tell I'll, me, I'll, tell I'll, me. You know, my fulfillment team may get mad at me for saying this, but just <laughs> Just for you guys' audience, you know, we just launched this e-commerce CBD platform. If you put in the promotional code SLANGGANG, all one <sighs> word, all caps, we'll hook you up with 40% off and you can come be honorary members of the Slang Gang with us. So uh, get some Lunchbox Alchemy CBD gummies. They're fabulous. And man, knock 40% off on a Slang Gang. <gasps> awesome. We will put that in the show notes. Is that the first code we've ever had on the Green Rush? Uh, it's one of the first. Yeah. I think the first one for, for a product. Yeah. Yeah. So, cool. Uh, our fans are going to love it. We'll take it, man. We're setting records everywhere. I love it. <laughs> Join love it, the Chris. slang gang. Let's do it. <laughs> Thank awesome, you guys. so much. Thank you for the opportunity. Special thanks to Chris Drayson, president and CEO of slang worldwide. You can check them out on slangww.com and follow them on the CSE under the ticker S L N G. You can also check out their CBD products at lunchboxalchemycbd.com. Um, make sure to follow at Slang Worldwide on their Instagram. And as always, be, be reaching out to uh, Ann and I here at greenrush at kcsa.com. Follow us on our social channels and make sure you're subscribing to our newsletter and on our favorite podcatcher. That's one take, Shay. One take. <laughs>